Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone, and welcome into Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Arreda, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today by special guest Lori Lindsay, former U.S. international. And on today's episode, we are going to recap NWSL Week 12. We had a lot of good soccer take place over the weekend. Some changes in the standings. We'll chat about that, too. But we also have some breaking news to chat about. So a reminder to everyone to subscribe to us on YouTube so that you never miss out on a single episode. You get alerts for whenever we go live. And you can join us in the reaction and in the chat. And we're also a podcast. So go ahead, follow, like, and download us so that you never miss out on a single episode. Lori, thanks for, for being here. Lisa's, Lisa's still out. Um, she's got married. She's she's enjoying the the honeymoon, the, the wedding bliss, the newlywed bliss. And uh, we've had Jordan Angeli with us do some episodes and, and, and fill in. And now you get to be here with me um, so that I'm just not a single talking head in a, in a in a camera talking about things and rambling about things. So thanks for being here. How you doing? Yeah, great. Good to see you. And as I was saying, I must have been missing you. You were in some of my dreams not too long ago. So <laughs> <laughs> visiting me at night because I've been missing you. So yeah, thanks for having me. Great to see you. And um, yeah, lots to cover, right? It's yeah, well done. Yeah, of course, you're 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 coming on and 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 as a guest when it's just like a regular week, right? Nothing happened. <laughs> um, no, but I, I love I love that you're coming through in June. You know, we're kicking off in the, the pride celebrations, and we've been celebrating here on A3. And uh, uh, happy to have everyone join us this morning. Um, if you're celebrating uh, Juneteenth, we all should be celebrating Juneteenth. So I hope everyone is enjoying the day and uh, educating themselves and taking some time. And uh, if you're here, maybe that's part of it. Maybe you want to get filled in on some women's soccer stuff. And uh, we're going to talk about all of that. Right now, we have to talk about some breaking news, unfortunately, that took place over the course of the weekend. And now is the opportunity as we come together to do the recap to finally get a chance to react to this stuff. And you know what, Lori? I think maybe we all needed the weekend to kind of just let it settle. Yes. Um, yes. Let it settle and let it kind of feel itself out. But the news is official. I believe it was a late Thursday evening or, or Wednesday evening that uh, the athletics Steph young and Meg Linehan reporting that Becky Sauerbrunn was not going to be available for the world cup. Uh, later confirmation from Becky Sauerbrunn that, 
yes, she in fact will not be available and miss out on this upcoming World Cup. She released a statement uh, essentially confirming the breaking news. And it was it was a it felt like it was a typical Becky Sarburn yeah. statement. She started it off with how heartbroken she was, the, the sad news. Um, but she kept it very honest and very real and said, like, that's sports for you and that's life, mm-hmm. really. And of course, um, she went on to go ahead and close it out by trying to encourage her teammates, saying that she loved them, uh, to take a minute to enjoy the moment, to appreciate everything that brought you here, every second of hard work and every bit of good luck, and to then get back out there and uh, go win the whole effing thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it just, it was, you know, I, you just read a statement like that and um, it just, it sort of makes it feel a little bit more real, right? You know, you, you hear the, you, Get the initial reports and of course it's good source reporting from credible journalists and then you're like oh no and then you get um the reaction from the player themselves and then it just sort of all settles in and it, there's been a lot of reaction um to this and i think that is the thing that has stuck out for me the most Lori. i know as someone in the space as media it's like i i also had to react to it um wrote up response to Becky's absence. You can catch it on cbsports.com. But that was the thing that stood out for me was just this sort of like collective reaction to this news that we saw it from fans, general public. We're talking like casuals who will just probably tune in for the World Cup just because it's a massive event. You know, critics, media, everyone reacting to it in a way where it was just like this, this absolutely sucks, this blows. Um, <laughs> But having you on on today as, as, our, as our guest, I wanted to just ask you, like, A, your first initial reaction to that and B, um, like, what's what's the significance of that for the locker room as, as a former player? Yeah. Uh, well, my initial reaction was like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, even though you know it's even though, you know, it's um, credible reporting, excellent, like, as you mentioned, from Meg Linehan and Seth um, Yang, it's your and then obviously Becky confirming it. Um it's just, yeah, it's devastating. And and even though that Becky's saying it's uh, it's part of sport, it's part of part of life. It doesn't make it any easier. And from a human aspect, right? Like all the work. This would have been Becky's fourth World Cup, and whether it's your first or your fourth, it's um, emotional time gearing up for it, and then to that to be taken away and doing all you can to get back and be ready, and having to say, okay. I can't be ready. I'm not going to be able to help my team. It doesn't make sense to take a spot if that's the case. And so, yeah, really just gutted and heartbroken for Becky was my first. Becky and I were longtime training partners. We went, didn't cross over at UVA, a bit older, um, but we trained together when we both lived in D.C., so longtime friends. And, yeah, it's um, it, it's – it's a bummer on all aspects, really. It is it is devastating because this is a player that leads the back line, is a, a true leader and, and on the field, wants to help others. I mean, we see, you get that whole sense, right? I think that's what everybody feels is the even just a letter. You're just like, <laughs> that's just true. Yeah. Right? And, and then also just one of those players that is wonderful. You just, you, she wants the best for everybody. She's still the player that's like, if I make the team, what do you mean if you make the team? You're a captain. (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't even make any sense. So uh, yeah, just from a whole collective 
you feel that pain and but you also know that Becky's going to be the one in the background cheering the team on sending messages making sure that they the team feels her her presence and all those words that she says would be completely completely true right feels this team can win and two things that have stood out though leading up to this is Becky when um they played Ireland afterwards and they had her on and she was like I want the team to be brave let's go win right let's be let's be excited about um winning and I think that's what the team has to take take away and then also I think the words of Sam Ewis and Lynn Williams on snacks when yes. like the, Becky is the player's captain. Like that, I hear that all the time in my head when I think about Becky, because those, that is so true from those two players that would know so well. Right. And you're like, she's the moral compass. of, And that's what you feel. And it's just like you, you yeah. lose that. And it's such a profound um, person that you're missing. I think that's such like a that's like the highest compliment I think you could give a teammate, your team captain in that sense. I, I think it was like Sam Ewis some some months back or some years back who actually first said that like Becky's like my moral compass. And you have sort of heard and seen like other teammates and players like adopt that as well. Like hearing Lynn say that on on their episode of Snacks as well, like as they reacted to it. It's just because it's just like a, a I guess, a perfect sentiment in, in terms of what to feel around um for, for the loss of this player. But I think it's very interesting as I think we can also know the senior national team program and, and how it's built and, and the type of machine it is yeah. and, and the way players, please correct me if I'm wrong, or the way players have typically honored each other in the past is by sort of taking all of that, having their moments with it and then trying to move on. Yes, essentially, you know, and I think there's, we can already sort of see or, or feel that kind of coming out as well. I mean, I know sometime soon, shortly, there will be a 23 player roster for that world cup announced. And I think folks are already looking at at that position and and kind of honing in on on the center back area about who's going to be there to to kind of step up Mm -hmm. in those roles and, I mean, we're here already hearing a lot about folks very excited about the possibility of, of Naomi Gurma um, slotting into this, into not only into this role positionally, but possibly even having a, a leadership role somewhere down the line in the future, yeah, which yeah. is, I think, it's a lot to put on, on a young player who might be going to their first World Cup. But um, all your wheels start turning into those areas and start thinking about that. So I, I don't know. I just sort of feel like, yes, there's all those things that come with um, – losing you know such a big piece in your team captain and maybe a bit of the morale in the locker room but within the reporting as well like sort of hearing how O'Hara might be in on this Mm -hmm. roster um and how maybe the plan is to sort of draw from other veteran players Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, leadership folks were already asking and they're like well well, who's gonna be the captain and I'm like well I don't know I'd love to see Crystal Dunn yeah given be given a shot I think there's a lot of players in that locker room that could actually you know be be relied upon um for for all of that um type of leadership maybe that's what it's going to take maybe it's it's going to take a like a rotating cast of characters right Uh, to uh, lift everything up I agree. And I, I agree about the shot with Crystal Dunn. I think she deserves it. Um, I ex- fully expect, um, you know, without managing minutes, her to be on the field yeah. for a great deal of this World Cup, right? Regardless uh, of where. And yeah, I do think it's going to take a leadership, especially when you're bringing in some new faces that's been reported as well as Savannah DeMello um, with her play in the league. Uh, if it is confirmed and announced, right? I mean, 
I believe she's going on that plane. So let's just stay there. Yeah, yeah. You know, new players. So you have to have, um, I think, a collective, especially with the way the women's game is growing. And these tournaments are these tournaments are tough, regardless if like you think that there's some games that you know are winnable. It is about game to game, right? And so you need a collective group and the voice and some of the players that have been there um, to to really kind of um, uplift that group and, and keep the focus on winning each game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100. percent And we'll keep an eye on when the roster does eventually drop. You know, make sure you're all subscribed again. Tune in because we'll probably react to the roster when it does drop. But one piece we know for sure, unfortunately, Sarabun will not be with the U.S. Women's National Team when they head off to Australia and New Zealand this summer. Let's try to pivot and recap some NWSL matches. We have some bangers to talk about. We have to start with this West Coast rivalry. I think this is the game that we need to kick off the recaps with because it's really the game that kicked off and set this weekend in motion. San Diego Wave versus Angel City. Angel City, not a lot of travel in this one. It's just a SoCal rivalry. And maybe that benefited them because they went in to Snapdragon Stadium and took all three points, walking away with a dub and did it in incredible fashion. 2-1 the scoreline, snapping San Diego's unbeaten streak in first loss in seven games. you love to see it. That's what I was left with after watching this game, Lori. I was like, an 11th-ranked team taking it to the top-ranked team yeah. place at the time going into this week. I was like, I love it here, man. Yeah, <laughs> It wasn't even nighttime, and it was uh, NWSL chaos. So. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, 100%. Yeah, I mean, look, the way it kind of um, setting things in motion here, right? I, I think what we got with that kind of narrow, that 0-0 that zero, zero scoreline going into halftime, um, it was it was a big deal. I think that was beneficial. I think that benefits the 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 opposition, right? You go in there, you keep things level. Um, if if you're the rival in this sense on the visiting side of things, you you're motivated by that. You're like, all right, let's get back out there and take it to them. But we get San Diego getting on the scoreboard first a little bit early, right? In in that kind of first 15 minute window of the second half, Chris and McNabb with an absolute rocket. Alex Morgan setting her up. It, yeah. it felt like maybe it was going to be the kind of goal that sucks a little bit of energy in life out of the other side. But that's not what happened in this one. Because Angel City come on right back with a banger of their own set piece. Paige Nielsen and then M.A. Vignola closing it out. Two minutes of regulation left. Assist from Car- Scarlett Camberos. You'd love to see that for these yeah. two players. I feel like these are two players who've really been trying to build up with Angel City, and it's great to sort of see them kind of come together for that game winner for Angel City. But we talked a little bit on the preview, myself and Jordan, of this yeah. game, Lori, about some of the things that Angel City might be motivated by going into this game. Obviously, you have the rivalry. They're just two years in their existence, both of these clubs, but they're already building up and living up to some of the hype around it, right? So that that they're motivated by that, but we also saw the recent departure of Freya Coom. The club has moved on based on, unfortunately, poor results in the first half, and now Becky Tweed is interim head coach coach and we felt hey that's going to be something that motivates the locker room as well and I think we saw a little bit of that to kind of close out this second half for Angel City scenes I loved it yeah I agree and I I kind of look at it as yeah these types of things when you have a coaching departure or change it can go one of two ways and typically 
it goes that where you see an uptick, at least for a few games, right? Until things yeah. kind of settle out and then you either get a new coach or, or what, or um, you could continue on with the momentum. But that's certainly what you felt like, at least I did going into this game. You felt like, okay, this is a tough game for San Diego to, to face Angel City, the rivalry, just given the situation leading up to that week because the players are going to be motivated. They're going to be motivated to play in San Diego if you're Angel City against your rivalry who – are number one at the top of the table and you have a new coaching change. So you want to impress, but also I would say for angel city, there've been some good performances. They just haven't gotten the results. So you just felt like it was a matter of time and, and three goals in this game by defenders credit to them because they were all great goals. But Vignola is one of those players who I felt like has really started to come in to her own this season. And I feel like in some ways, you know, they had shifted between almost like a, a three-back or hybrid. Julie Ertz comes in, provides a little bit of stability. That's when a, a player like Vignola, her her skill set shines because she can get forward, she can create an attack, the attack. She has caused problems whenever she's on the field. And to get the game winner, I think, is, is such an important piece to how this Angel City wants to play and to attack. And I think that just proved it. And listen, this is a, a San Diego team that has – prides himself defensively. So to give up two goals at home and uh, to do it against a rival, I mean, huge credit to Angel City. And I think that's, those are the games that you're like, okay, we build off of, let's just, you know, stay composed, but these are how you can build momentum going forward and start collecting points. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking of like this second half of the season, right? I think if you're one of those lower half table teams and even mid to lower half table teams, mm -hmm. like, this is this is it. Like the second half of your season is like is your reset button and every single game from here on out cannot be like let's build up to it. It's almost like you're going to have to come out with a sense of urgency <laughs> in every single game. Exactly. You know, okay. and maybe that's not how you want to set yourself up, you know, for a, a second half, but it is excellent it's excellent to see that Angel City is kind of responding to all yeah. of that. Uh, as well, I mean, they've been on a they've been on a, a losing streak, or an, or they haven't had a win in, in quite some time. Actually, heading into that match themselves, um, and to sort of kind of turn things around, and I, and I like all of what you're saying about Vignola, and and I think it's important to kind of highlight those types of players for Angel City because it sort of feels like those are the players that they're going to have to rely upon. Yep. As you know, we like, every team has talked about it at this, this point the availability reports and players who have had to come back and return to play. But even as those players return to play, they still are building their minutes. Yep. You know, So you're looking at these players who have um, kind of had to get a little bit of promotion from bench players to now regular starters and, and have them make an impact. And I think for Vignola, someone who's been there since year one, I think you have a little bit of an opportunity there as someone who's been within the system and within the locker room to kind of have these kind of breakout games. And then for Acamberos, who kind of has come in kind of early mid-season, I mean, you want to have a game where you're like, let me actually like have the game where I'm on the stat sheet, have that contribution. So I think it's big. I think it's massive that the two of them were able to link up for that game winner. And hopefully it's, it's again, it's one of those things that maybe this is the game that kind of catapults them or is the catalyst to kind of keep this energy going. Because as you mentioned, like with a, a, co a coaching dismissal, sometimes things can go either way and it looks like they were motivated by that. But the other thing that can kind of happen sometimes 
is that that shine can wear off that kind of jolt that energy jolt kind of wears off sometimes too so hopefully they can you know contain that maintain it and build on into the next weeks to come let's recap one more game before we take a break i really want us to talk about north carolina courage and <laughs> orlando pride because we're talking about streaks north carolina has one of their own they are looking so good heading into this second half it's a 3 Zero win for the courage over Orlando Pride. I, I got to shout out the chat real quick, Lori. Barry is someone who's a, a North Carolina fan who's always in the chat rooting on his courage, and he predicted this scoreline. It would be courage 3 0. I was like, wow, look at this. Barry's going to love it when we go live. <laughs> Let's chat all about it. Caroline with another massive game. I'm going to put myself on blast, Lori. And in the preview that I did with Jordan, I said, you know what? love caroline man she's gonna be out there doing what she's doing but i don't know there you go barry you predicted it <laughs> I, I was like but i don't know if, if god was gonna go out there and get another hat trick and you know what i was i wasn't wrong but she definitely went out there and got some more yeah. goals and i was like oh my goodness not only are the courage looking dangerous the brazilians in this league are cranking up at the right oh, time goodness. ahead of the world cup um let's talk about this match Lori. what you yeah. think yeah, I mean, you're not talking North Carolina. You're exactly right without talking about Caroline. I mean, she's been phenomenal. And to your point, too, all the Brazilians, I think, really starting to come together at the right time and could be crazy, wildly good, right, at, yeah. the, at the World Cup. I'm excited to watch them. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I've really enjoyed about this North Carolina team is in the years past, the best in transition. We knew about Jess yeah. McDonald, Lynn Williams, these players, unstoppable. And it was such a fun put teams under pressure and then Sean Nahas and his staff having to, you know, mix things up, a lot of departures and key personnel, the being one of those players who really drove the attack in previous years. And so they had to reassess and you saw a little bit of that last season, um, almost felt like they were caught in two minds in terms of what that looked like and how they wanted to play. And this year solely a much more possession oriented team that lead the league in possession and sometimes that doesn't tell the whole picture. I think, you know, you can have a lot of possession. And, and that was one of the things I was on their call uh, versus Washington for the Challenge Cup midweek. And I think sometimes possession doesn't tell the entire story because, great, you can keep the ball. And if you're not creating chances, uh, what does that look like? Or if Caroline's not on the field, then what does that look like? And I think now as they start to get some pieces back, Tess Bodie, um, who's been leading the line, um, uh, Caroline obviously up top and then just a rotation, but Narumi in the midfield with O'Sullivan seems to be a great balance that takes off some of the load off of O'Sullivan. So now you're starting to see, in my opinion, what's a variety of ways that they can attack. Yes, you can, uh, you can affect the game with possession and then gaining territory, but you also have the ability to hit them on transition. So there's a variety of ways and it makes it really difficult for them to stop. And I think you saw that with Orlando started the game strong Orlando first 10 minutes and then clear game plan for North Carolina to how they wanted to attack, how they wanted to really monopolize this game. And they didn't look back and, in Orlando, I'll say one real quick before I let you chime in. Yeah. I thought Orlando last week, that was going to be their statement game against Portland to kind of build off, as we were mentioning about Angel City. Can, yeah. can they now use this? But they're missing Marta. We talked about Brazilians. Marta is a huge piece right now for this kind of younger, getting going, yeah. a little bit of inexperience Orlando team. And when you miss a piece like that, somebody that can control the game, help slow things down, 
I think you, in some ways, become a little bit more predictable, one-dimensional. And I think you saw that. And North Carolina was like, fine, here we go. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, but credit to the courage for kind of recognizing that and kind of capitalizing on that, right? Um, I, I love that you mentioned um, Narumi in this one. I, look, I was at that game in Chicago where they put up a five spot on the Red Stars. And there was just something about finally getting to see the courage live yeah. and in person. At, at this point, they have shown us who they are. And I respect that so much. They are a team that want to have the ball. They want to retain that possession, be on it and, and go ahead and, and create some exciting soccer uh, when, when they do have it. And I think a big part of that in retaining um, all of that uh, possession is, is making sure that you have the players who understand um that assignment and who want to do that and, and getting to watch Narumi and that was such a big component for me and watching um, the courage be able to kind of recycle the ball and keep the ball in, in, in various moments. And, and I think right now the timing of everything, the phases of seasons and, and how we're watching Caroline kind of, kind of hitting this kind of a, uh, like a little bit of a heat check right now. It's a little bit of a hot streak for her. And I, and I like, it. I think the time that everything's kind of coming together and a very good time for, the courage and uh you know i think even at the end of this game you sort of see it like she just kind of has this like relentless kind of engine and they were like that's enough can come on out like <laughs> you know like they they sub her out because it's just kind of like all right like you you, you, yeah, you, enough. Here. <laughs> you, you created this chaos on a goal they end up crediting it as an own goal right. to you know but you just see this player and all of all of that chaos that she creates inside of the box or out wide, and um, it's it's it just sort of feels it's hard to believe that you're sort of that I had where I'm like oh it's coming together as if it's not been coming together for weeks right but it just sort of feels the timing of everything with even some of these kind of standout individual performances as well sort of feel like they're kind of peaking at the right time a bit so uh, absolutely congrats in order for the courage they're kind of keeping their momentum going and uh, hopefully. Maybe this is that first test for Orlando. Maybe they're like, okay, we could see what it's going to look and feel like when we don't have Martha. Maybe we have to make some adjustments here. Yeah. So I'm very curious to see how Orlando respond to this loss from the Courage. Uh, but we have more games to recap, and we're going to do that. So stick with us after a quick break. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's keep recapping some games here. Catch everybody up on what you missed across Week 12 in NWSL. We got to talk about a draw, a 0-0 draw, specifically between Houston Dash versus OL Reign. Lori, I'm going to let you know. On the preview, I didn't feel great about making a pick or even previewing this game because I was so nervous <laughs> about the heat effect. Talking about a heat check for Caroline, let's bring it 
into this game, but for literal heat check of the weather, yeah, I was nervous. I was nervous about it, even though it was, you know, you have games kicking off and what's, con- you know, considered an early evening kickoff. It's, it's tough. It's a tough, tough, tough uh, scenario. I think something that Jordan and I felt like we were speaking about over the last couple of weeks or so when it comes to, to Houston specifically is the, the challenges that they have faced and kind of turning their stadium into a place where it's like, this is our home field. Let's make this a tough place for everyone to play in. And they get a little, <laughs> there's like almost like they get a little bit of help in that, in that there's this uh, tough games where they have a lot to, they have to battle against heat as well, but it's almost like it also takes a lot of energy from the home side mm-hmm. as well. And so wasn't too sure if there was going to be enough in the tank on either side here to really come out and steal a win. And if it happened that it would, kind of be maybe like an exhaustive kind of oops type of goal. Um, but that ultimately didn't happen in this game. It ends scoreless between the two of them. You see players exhausted at the at the end of this game. I think, I don't know, Lori, is, is this kind of game where it's like, if you're both teams and you kind of have to play in those conditions, are you just like, okay, we split the points, we're moving on. Totally. I remember as a player, that was the toughest place to play. The travel, because it was just a bit further, obviously, you know, when you're going completely to the West Coast from the East Coast, depending on where you're playing, then you know it's going to be a long, a long trip. But then it was like going to Houston, it was just like this a little bit further that was just kind of annoying because it's a little bit longer than you really want it to be. And then, yeah, as a player, that was the toughest place to play because you would be, myself as a, a major sweater, I would be completely drenched drenched and dehydrated before the game would even start. So Mm -hmm. then you're already down. And even though the sun might not be out, it is still so humid. So I think, you know, to to what you were saying with you and Jordan, yeah, I think there's still ways to find for Houston how they make that like their fortress. Because we saw a glimpse of that last year in the quarterfinals when they played Kansas City. Kansas City ended up winning in the last second, but – that place was packed in yeah. the energy that they felt. So the fans are there. It's just about showing up because that's what pushes your team on. And I like this Houston team and, and you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that they have the fewest goals conceded. So in the league now, after this week, especially. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That, yeah and so this is a team that they've done really well defensively. And I think they're creating chances. I felt like last week they were unfortunate not to get the win versus Gotham. Um, but, yeah. yeah, it's a tough place to play. I think they need to collect points more than they are there, um, given that they are used to the heat, especially against an OL Reign team. Because I think if you're o- OL Reign, regardless if there's a red card and you go up a player, right, um, or you're up a player throughout a lot of that game, you're still like a point on the road at Houston. Yeah. That's like three points. Get us out of here because yeah, no. they're not going to be used to that heat. I'm with you. I love, <laughs> I love the antidote, dude. You're like, yeah, you, as a as a major sweater, it was tough for you to play there. No, I, I, I listen. I, I think um, we're talking about timing and phases of things for for teams. I think at the, at this point, you've got Houston, just kind of like taking their t- like they know it's coming. Like we've heard from the players themselves. Like I think it was Jane Campbell not too long ago in a post game conference. I said, you know what, we're getting it together. We don't want to peak at the wrong time. We're staying in it. And they're just on the outside looking in, right? They've been kind of hovering in in seventh place. And I think this team going on a bit of an unbeaten streak of their own. They've got two wins, two draws. 
I, I, th I think they're going to give us something to keep watching for towards the, the final stretch of this yeah. season. I think this game, maybe folks aren't looking at this type of match from Houston as like a statement game, but I think I might be because I think, some, I mean, they lose Natalie Jacobs on a red card. Yeah. Right. And we're talking like you have to manage a game. You have to manage a game now with 10 players mm -hmm. in these ridiculous conditions. And to just sort of see how they were able to not just withstand those conditions, but kind of just put out this really gutsy type of performance against an old rain side that, you know, I've next to Portland, I've, I've lauded on this show as like having the deeper benches. So yeah. I have two teams with incredible depth and I think it's Portland and I think it's the rain. And I think when you go down a player in a match, I guess again, it's against a team that has the depth, it can be nervy. You can maybe sort of, you know, lose lose your focus, lose your mentals a little bit. And we didn't see that from yeah. that. So I thought it was an incredibly gutsy performance from them. And so I, maybe folks aren't looking – like maybe they look at the scoreline and they're like, whatever. Like yeah. that's not a statement game at all. But I think if you're really watching this game, some of the factors that came into play, for me, I'm, I'm looking at it as a little bit – of, of a statement game as well. You got to watch out for the Houston Dashney because as they're, as they're, as it sort of feels like they're kind of figuring things out in the attacking sense where now they've got Sanchez, they've got Ordonez, uh, Alozier is, is alongside and, and fitting in absolutely well with these attackers in the front line. The fact that they could pull off a match like this, I think says a lot about the team. Yeah, I, I like that perspective a lot. I agree with that. I think that's a great perspective because, you know, I was kind of looking at it as an oil rain. It's going to be difficult to travel. Yeah. They get the point. But going down, I, I agree completely. And you just feel like they are on the brink of, you know, finding kind of that rhythm in the attack. Lozia, who you mentioned, <laughs> lights out. Yeah, like, okay, Nigeria, here we go. Yep. Uh, we're also, I know we're tuned into that too. It's so close to the World Cup that we can't yeah. help but look at these performances from players who are likely going to be, be missing totally. for, for the World Cup. And she's absolutely one of those players. Yeah. But yeah, a little bit, little, little bit of a tiny, maybe not a full statement, but it's definitely, it's a game that absolutely says something to me uh, from, from the dash. But speaking of statement games, one that I was looking for, let's talk about Racing Louisville versus Gotham FC. And I'm very excited to hear your insights on this because I heard you on the call for this one. <laughs> but in the preview, to let you know what I was looking for, Lori. Yeah. Look, this racing Louisville team, they're good and they're fun. And I like watching them totally play soccer. But in the regular season, I'm like, I they've shown that they can hang with what's considered, you know, uh, top upper half table teams and, and top talented teams, um, playoff kind of caliber teams, contender type teams. Mm -hmm. They've shown that they can hang, but I was looking for them to finally get a win against one of these teams and they've gotten they've gotten results against bottom half table teams they're dominating a central region challenge cup yeah. division against other teams who are mostly struggling this season we're, we're complimenting houston dash but you're talking current or, or rotating and, players right? and chicago yeah, and rotating players you know so i'm like okay they're getting wins against these types of teams i want to see it against a top table team and they win. They did it against Gotham and I picked them to do it. And I'm happy to say that they came through with it. Lori, what'd you see on the call? What'd you think of this? <laughs> yeah. Two zero racing. Yeah. I mean, I've been really high on, on Gotham. I've liked what they did on the off season. So coming into this game, um, I'm still high on them. I think they're, they're really kind of sorting things out uh, in the attack. Kind of what are, yeah. what are the, the pieces for them? Right. In terms of like, 
you know you can they can go quick Gotham, but you, you also know that um, they want to keep possession. So I think they're still sorting that out. And I say that about Gotham because even though I've been high on them, I felt like, ooh, this is a tough time to one, almost like Houston, travel to Louisville. It's not easy to get there. And also face this racing Louisville team because I think early on part of the, the struggle for them was one, collectively getting everybody back. They had some injuries, so they lacked a little bit of depth compared to other teams, uh, forcing some, you know, some some shifting of players. And then in the last, like what this would have been the eighth game if Leicester would have played in all competitions that they've gone with the same back four and London goal. So I'm like, okay, they're building consistency here. Now what does that look like consistently in the attack? Because they need to put all these pieces together. And I just felt like coming into this game, well, we're going to see a a really strong racing Louisville side. And also it was interesting because Jen Hildreth, who's on the call with me, the day before, we got to go see Kim um, Bjorkegren at his office. We got to see the training facility behind the scenes. They have a fantastic setup. It's a lot like Kansas City. They do share it with Louisville City. Um, however, it's just completely mirrored on both sides. So they're, they're also completely separate. But the facilities, everything, you just got this like really kind of family-oriented uh, a facility and, and just the club in general. So that was interesting to see behind the scenes. And I'm like, hmm. Here we go. Demella, who we know is going on the plane. Let's just put it out there. She's going to have like a different sort of emotion with this game. That um, Lana, my goodness, what a game. The lights out. Yeah. On the other side, you have Wong Chuang, who gives you something different. So all of these pieces and all that to say is why I started with Gotham is because we've talked a lot about what they've done in the offseason. But I don't think we've given enough credit what Racing Louisville had done yeah. in terms of bringing Carson Pickett bringing Urseg to just balance out some of their youth because they were so young last year and inexperienced. Then you bring in internationals that are um, continuing to, to build and just perform on another level. And you also have the rising stars of Howell, uh, Borges. So I think they have incredible balance to this roster that we probably haven't gotten given enough credit to. And this feels like another one of those statements where you're like midweek, Created a lot of chances, which they, they've been really wanting to to work on. Scored three goals against Houston, who had heavily rotated. So I want to make sure that that is known in a, in a Challenge Cup game. But something for Racing Louisville to, Louisville to build off of. And I think you saw that. They were in a rhythm. Gotham weren't. And made it, made it difficult, really difficult from the first whistle. Yeah, I think, you know... Something that that also came out of the reporting, you, you touched on it with out of the athletic when they reported that Sarva would not be available for the World Cup. These additional tidbits that you know other players who are going to be named to that roster mm-hmm. when it eventually does drop, and one of those players that got name dropped was Savannah DeMello. Mm-hmm. And I think watching this player's evolution, not from year one, right, as a rookie, um, into year two, we've seen zero signs of a sophomore slump if anything we have witnessed her elevating her game in yeah we've witnessed her elevating her game in in this sophomore season of hers and I think a a part of that though is I like that you mentioned Borges in that sense I like that you mentioned some of these other internationals that are around um 
the the team and on the on the pitch is having those extra outlets right mm-hmm. and you're able to focus on those those strengths of your game within within a 90 minute match because you've got the teammates to build with and off of <laughs> and just sort of watching her performances over the course of this first half of the regular season in this most recent game against Gotham and the reports that she's going to the World Cup mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see what this player can do yeah. in a World Cup with players who are used to playing in these kind of high um, environment, high stakes type of, of games. So I'm, uh, I love this for racing. I love that this was a game that they got um, in light of the, the news that has sort of dropped already around, around them. But I am, again, I'm now I am curious. That's probably going to be a really big piece uh, to go missing for a long yeah. stretch of time in your season. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see the response and, and what the adjustments are going to be in light of what may be her eventual absence here. Yeah, I agree. Cause she's such a huge piece. And so yeah. it is about then other players stepping up and that's kind of the beauty, right? At this point in time is that with how this league works is when you miss players who can step up, who can make their uh, a statement for themselves and, and really start to compete for those positions in a way that maybe they wouldn't if a Savannah DeMello hadn't gone on that play or hadn't gone to the world cup. Yeah, absolutely. We've got two more games to talk about, Lori. So let's uh, let's pause, take a break, and close it out. Stick with us. All right, let's wrap it up with our last two games to recap. Let's start with Chicago Red Stars versus Portland Thorns. The Thorns going on the road, picking up all three points. A 3-2 scoreline in this one, Lori. I like the response from Chicago. It's a loss. It's another loss for this team, unfortunately. They've been struggling this year. It has been, let's just call it what it is, it's been historically tough season for for that franchise but coming off of a, a 5-0 loss uh in their last regular season match against the courage a, a 4-0 loss against the Courage in the challenge cup game midweek and then to have to turn it back around and go back home and go up against portland thorns a team that has not been dropped out of the upper half of the table a team that we both agree has a lot of depth on that on that squad that even if they go on the road they can have their rotations um, and Chicago just not, you know, advantageous in those areas. But to sort of see this response, kind of have a little bit of a fight. It's a positive sign. But for Portland, maybe there's some other things here. And I talked about this on the preview, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Something that they think they've shown us is that they're an exciting attacking team. But mm-hmm. at this point in the season, we got to say something's, something's afoot with the yeah. defensive shape of this team because they, at this point in the season, are no strangers to conceding goals. Yeah, uh, and we we see this happen. It gets a little nervy at moments in this game for Portland. My goodness, there's a moment where there's a potential um, opportunity for Chicago to equalize, and it goes off the post. So they're saved yeah. essentially by this post and a shot by St. George's. So, uh, is it one of these things where you kind of wipe your brow and you say, "All right, we got out of there. Let's keep it moving and just uh, move on to the next and move on to the next one," because uh, it keeps them still in the upper half in Chicago keeps them still in the lower half of the table. Yeah. Uh, well, I do think that you're like, okay, we got the, we got the three points and we're out of there. Right. Yeah. And um, probably too close for comfort uh, for Portland, but I agree with you. I think that they, they have shown that they're one of the best attacking teams. if not the best attacking fluid team uh, with all the pieces that they have getting into the, the attack in this league. However, I think, you know, one of the things that even Mike Norris has said throughout this season is we're susceptible in defensive transition. And, and a lot of that has to do, I think, with one, 
Becky Sauerbrunn has missed some pieces. She's a calming factor back there. You're going to have leadership, the understanding positionally. Um, it's not that like they haven't had her out previous seasons before and had to fill those gaps. But I think anytime you're missing somebody of that stature, and as we mentioned at the top of this show, that is a loss, right? That is a significant loss, especially with the way that Portland wants to play, which is aggressive in their approach. I also think... I mean, I've been high on Sam Coffee since she stepped foot in this league. Yeah. But at times, when you are only playing with that one pivot, if you're smart and you get players on either side of her, she can be dragged out of position. And rightfully so, because she's trying to cover, right? So that makes sense. But then you have to make sure that you're diligent with allowing for other players to drop back in, help cover for her, or the positioning specifically on that back line has to be spot on. And I think that sometimes that's when they get themselves in trouble. And it's not that they aren't aware of that. I just think with the fine margins and how tight this league is, even if a team like Chicago, and to your point, yes, massive credit, because you could show up to every game being like, what have we, what are we doing here? Right. And I feel like they keep showing up with smiles on their face. <laughs> and yeah. they're, like, they fought back. Like they conceded yeah. at a time when you don't want to concede late in the first half. And you're still, you're still coming out. You're getting a goal. You're getting a goal. And they're, they're cheering like this. They're like, right. oh, like go for this. this. I mean, the professional athletes and they're competitive. I wouldn't expect anything different. But like, also as a competitive athlete, you're like, this is not it, right? Like we are pissed, and they freaking show up. And I credit to credit to those players because they keep going. But yeah. I think it's something for Portland to look at. And I also think uh, is whatever you can do if you're scoring goals at any point in time, even though it's a, a loss for Chicago. My goodness, credit to those players because they keep showing up. Yeah, right. It's a long, it's a long season, and they're just, it's like they're just taking it game by game. And I think at this yeah. point, that's all you can, you can really do. There's a lot of, un, we've talked about it endlessly. I think on this, on this show, there's a lot of just uncontrollables there for them, and um, they're doing what they can, which is show up and show out. And I think this was one yeah. of those games where they can maybe take a look at, and say, okay, we're putting some things together here, mm-hmm. um, like the pairing of of Davidson and Sharples together. I think the return of Sharples is going to help provide some relief there a, a little bit in, in the back for the Chicago Red Stars team. Um, I know there's going to be concerns uh, as Aaron Wright exited the game with an injury. So hopefully uh, it's nothing too major for this team because that would be a blow. Let's not act like it, it wouldn't be for the team at this point. But I think if you're if you're Portland, I'm with you. They're just like, OK, we're just going to score more goals than the other team. And look, there's there's nothing wrong with kind of having that energy uh, throughout the remainder of your your regular season. So kudos to them on hanging on and getting all three points. But we have to talk about one final game in a team that could not hang on. We got to talk about Casey Current versus Washington Spirit. Current get the loss in this one after going up. It ends three to two in favor of Washington Spirit. Lori, what happened in this one? Oh, I don't even know. I'm not even sure that the current know. You know, this is, I was actually, uh, and just from a Kansas City standpoint, because I, I really enjoy this Washington Spirit team. I think one thing about Mark Parsons that is, been true through and through since he stepped foot in this league dating back to his first time with Washington is that he knows how to win and he's going to galvanize his team right and we we, there's been endless talk about Mickey Owen playing on the back line well we can all be quiet because how well she done and then she scores goals when on set pieces or when it's needed um Mateer in the midfield right like they're playing a diamond that's difficult to play against they're exciting obviously anytime you have x-factors like Trinity Rodman Hatch and uh Ashley Sanchez coming out of the midfield there, then 
you know, you're always going to be a handful. But for Kansas City, my God, look at this roster. And there has been too many, in my opinion, too many ups and downs, ebbs and flows in this season. And they'll agree. Like, this isn't like uh, anything new for them. They're the ones out there. But I, I thought, okay, here we go. Turning some things around, getting a bit more stability. Dabinia getting Michelle Cooper. I uh, love yeah. her. So many of her games at Duke and uh, this player, even though she hasn't found the back of the net a ton, a bright, bright future. So to score, set an NWSL record, I should say, with the earliest goal. It's like, Good of play. course, right? Yeah. But look, this is a player that that they were high on. They went out, made moves yeah. to try to move Good higher in the draft, to grab and obtain this player and try to build with them. And had to start week one in the regular season. So, I, look, I've been high on this play. She doesn't have the goals, like you said, at this point to maybe kind of keep her names in, in the lights in the race for a Rookie of the Year campaign. But to kind of finally get that first goal mm-hmm. and by, like, shattering and establishing a new record for fast goals, like, that makes sense. Yeah. That almost feels correct mm-hmm. for, for Michelle Cooper. But, I mean, it was a way to put the motion and set the, the game in in motion for Kansas City, I was just kind of like, okay, maybe this is it. Like we talked about timing of a season. Um, if you're one of those lower half table teams coming out with the urgency and sticking with it and making sure you're going out there and getting those wins, right? Mm-hmm. Not just result at this point, you got to get three points. And it just sort of felt like this, they were going to carry that energy. Yeah. Um, they're getting the players back that they wanted um, in the course of the off season. Davinia has been doing well with this team. Di Bernardo has been performing well with this team. Now they're getting Morgan Gutrow back, who I think is going to be an absolute key to unlock some things. Agree. Kansas City current moving forward. We almost saw it come together in this game, but like you said, there was just something about this spirit side as they're being coached under Mark Parsons, a player, or excuse me, a coach who's not unfamiliar with making sure that team have the teams have the variables to go out there and and turn things around. And this is a spirit side that's only what two years removed from a, a championship of their own. They've got players who knows who know, you know, what it takes or means to turn things around, but to see um, the younger players, the newer players to this Washington spirit side, make that impact and ensure that that game gets switched on, I think is very, very telling for this Washington spirit side and the depth that they have. So yeah, we absolutely have to shout out Paige Mateer. I think we're talking about these first year players kind of, I think, following under the radar a little bit in terms of players who can maybe make a run for that Rookie of the Year record, doing some incredible things. With yeah, the what a great profile, too. I mean, it's also like it's so unassuming because you wouldn't expect it and then can cover ground. I mean, that's a player that goes hidden and, and like, is not flashy, right? And you go to games, you're not going to, like, point to Paige Mateer, but that's a player that helps win you championships because they'll do so much of the dirty work. They do all of these things that, like, win the ball back building in the air and to be doing it as a rookie. I think it's taken off a lot of the load of Andy Sullivan in there. And then it allows players like the front three that we just mentioned to be able to have a bit more freedom and to, to get into influence the final third, really. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Love to see it. And of course the three points propels the spirit back on top of the standing. So congratulations to them. Welcome back. They are number one heading into week 13 and NWSL action with 23 points. Uh, that's a wrap, though. We recapped all the games on Attacking Third. Thanks, Lori, for joining Thank me today. Appreciate yeah. you being here and talking all things NWSL. Thanks, everyone, for joining us uh, today on Attacking Third. Go ahead and download, follow, listen, and subscribe anywhere you get to podcast. Watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Attacking Third. We'll be back with more this week on all things women's soccer. So stay tuned. 
Sandra Andrea and Lori Lizzie for the second